again today on Little Talks of TV. Probably not a lot of sports uh, on the show today. We'll talk some TV. Uh, I see Ryan's been day trading, so we'll talk we'll get his thoughts. We see how he's diving into the stock market uh, and a whole bunch of other stuff going on. You can listen to us on Apple, Spotify, and the iHeartRadio app. Uh, we'll be back on Monday. Um, we'll start looking at the Super Bowl for next week. Then next Thursday, we've got our prop special, or we get all the Super Bowl props for you, uh, and all that good stuff. But oh, Monday also, we're gonna do our. We're gonna look at the quarterback, uh, the quarterback carousel co- upcoming for the NFL season. But uh, Ryan, how's it going today? It is been a day. Is you know, it's it's been a little crazy. It's been wild. My head is spinning right now, as you uh, mentioned. Um, all the stuff that's going on in the stock market and the squeeze getting squeezed out and Robin Hood originally was taken from the rich and given to the poor, but now they just took it right back from the poor and they're giving it right back to the rich. And so it's been a, it's been a morning. I'll tell you what. Is this your first day in the, no. in the mix? No, I've actually, no, I've been in it. I mean, I haven't been in it long, uh, maybe a month and a half or so. Um, so, you know, it's, I've been dabbling a little bit, uh, really kind of dove in maybe about, I guess about three weeks ago, four weeks ago. Um, but, uh, this is my first taste of like, into the, you went into the GameStop and that stuff three weeks ago or no, just no, unfortunately not. Yeah. Just the market in general. Yeah, no, I missed the boat on, uh, on the whole AMC and GameStop thing, which, uh, I think I'm fine with, but, uh, yeah, one of the, the you know I don't know how how deep you want to get into this, but one of the one of the big ones that I bought when I first got in was uh, Naked um, NK uh, NAKD was their is their uh, their stock symbol, and I got them at thirty four cents a share, and uh, as earlier today there it was as far up as three oh eight. Now it's starting to trend down a little bit. But when I was trying to buy more, Robinhood stopped, uh, you know, didn't allow you to buy any more uh, for whatever reason, because people were trying to pump that similar to uh, to uh, the GameStop and the AMC stuff. Um, I, I bought a bunch of uh, Sundial Growers, which is a cannabis company. I bought them like around 74 cents. It got up to like $2.08. Uh, now it's slowly trending down. But as soon as I bought it again, Robinhood wasn't allowing you to buy it. Did they stopped that one too. They did stop that one as well. I don't know about that one. Yeah, so it's it's been a wild ride. I just it's I th- I told Jamie today because she was a little hesitant when I told her that I was playing the stocks a little bit. Um, she was a little hesitant at first, but I told her not to worry because stocks only go up. Um, not and so today. not the stocks you're in today. Yeah, you only lose well, if you sell. You only lose if you sell. That is true. But uh, but no, but I told her today, I think uh, I think this is going to be like a turning point in in finance history of of our country. And like, I think we can look back at at this day of of some stuff that's really going to change and uh, and have a big impact going forward. Well, I think the big thing is that uh, Robin Hood just took the opportunity to buy, what, seven stocks off of there. Yeah. Like you are manipulating the market. Yeah. You cannot manipulate the market when I saw something that said 65% of the owners, I think of GMC or GME and AMC uh, were on like Robinhood. Well, if they can't buy it, 
they're just going to sell. And mm-hmm. then it's, it's going to go down and down and down. So you're manipulating the price. Part of it I've also seen because they don't know if Robinhood has the funds to pay out these big time. Right. Um, all the big time. Uh, returns. Returns, yes. Returns that some people have made through <clears throat> GameStop and all this stuff. And then they also have an IPO coming out in a, in a couple months. So they want their IPO to do well, and the main people that are going to support the IPO are the hedge funds. Exactly. So, so they're going to support them. And if you would think that people would be like, "All right, Robinhood, I use Robinhood for the IPO. All right, maybe I'll get behind that." Now, no chance. Not the the common man is not going to be buying Robinhood. Just go look at the uh, just go look at the um, App Store reviews. The are. Yelp are like pretty much just giving a restaurant a bad Yelp. Everyone's giving it one star. Mm-hmm. It's tanking. If Robinhood was the number one downloaded app in iOS yesterday. Um, so people are trying to get in and now on it, you can't. I mean, GameStop, I'm looking, I see NBC up right now. It's down 63% today. Yeah. And the only reason it's down 63% is because it's off. Like TD Ameritrade did the same thing. E Trade, I think, did the same thing. You can't cry foul of and then take it off the market you can't like these people on cnbc some of them yesterday in the past couple years like i'm just worried about the retail investor losing a a bunch of money okay you know what fair concern but you're also not giving the retail investor enough credit for being smart enough to know when they're going in, how much they're going in with, if they're going in with the amount of they're like, you know what, I'm only putting this in, and if I lose that, fine, I can handle that loss. If I don't, you're not giving the retail investor enough credit for being a smart investor, and you're just going off, you're using the crutch of, well, I, we don't want them to get burned again, and now you're doing this, and guess what? You're actually hurting the people that have done this by getting by burning them, because there's a lot of panic selling, because people are nervous, and and you're hurting them more than helping them with what they're doing. Yeah, absolutely. No, uh, yeah, no, you're 100 correct. I mean, like you said, I mean, it's if if you are putting in or gambling more than you can afford to lose, then that's kind of like that's your problem. And it's you know unfortunate that it's like that, but it's true. Uh, you know, if the 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 smarter people are going to be the ones that come out on top. Now, if you lose everything and you say, oh, somebody should have stopped me, like that's not going to hold up anywhere. Like, uh, you know, I didn't know what I was doing. Somebody should have stopped me. Well, then you probably shouldn't have got in to begin with. But the fact that we're supposed that this is supposed to be a free market, the, the fact that this, you know, we're, it, it is supposedly, you know, our money, right. But they're not allowing us to do what we want with it. Uh, it's just, it's, it's incredible. And that's why I'm saying it's, it's, I think this is going to be a turning point uh, of s- today, starting something going forward to where, it's either illegal. Uh, you know, I don't know how the uh, SEC hasn't gotten involved just yet. Uh, I'm sure they 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 have to make a comment eventually, right? Or else they look they look like big frauds as so. well. You know, then you can't trust them. Uh, so it's just it's it's a why it's been wild today. I've had CNBC on my TV, and then of course for whatever reason I don't know why, but my Hulu app stopped working on my TV. Um, so I couldn't watch CNBC. So I had that on my c- computer here. I was watching stuff on my phone. Like it's been, it's been, a, it, if, if any day was a bad day to not be able to go multi-screen, it was today. And that's what happened for me. Uh, but, uh, it's still been, it's been a wild ride and I, I, I can't wait to see where this ends up, but I think it's, it, you know, it's funny is 
I didn't know where this conversation was going to go, but like my biggest thing about social media and why it sucks is like sometimes like it's given the people that used used to not have a voice. It's given them a voice and it feels like they should be able, like everyone should hear exactly what they say. And sometimes I feel like there are some people that just they don't deserve to have what they want to say be heard by others. But then this is also the good side of social media where like you can literally have an uprising happen overnight, you know, when it's used in, in, in the right way like this. You know, obviously, we, you know, you want to take it back to the storm in the capital or whatever. That's obviously a bad way of it being used. But, you know, what I'm saying like it when when used correctly, like it's it's such a, a, a massive weapon that can be utilized for just the general people that big tech, you know, the, the big hedge funds, big government, big pharma, whoever it may be. Uh, you know, if, if people can band together for just a short amount of time, look how, look how they can just absolutely take things over. And I think that's what really worries people like the, the, you know, the higher ups, the suits. Well, yeah. Cause everyone's saying the suits are stopping Robin hood, which is true. It's a 100% true. Like, so why they see the little guy making money and they're like, yeah, oh, you know what? We don't like this. What are we going to do? We're going to get Robin hood to stop having and come out in the name of volatility um, for these stocks. I mean, I was on AMC on Monday morning, so before the big wave going on. Um, so I was early on that. I've been in on other, but all the other things that I was, the same ones, they're all down because um, everybody like Exp Express was one. That was up nice yesterday. Now, every, every, like anything that I, of of my small positions that I've put in this, because I have long term, that is, I've been in the stock market for a couple of years, whatever, a year and a half, whatever, figuring it out. Got my long term stuff. Then we're like, all right, you know what? We'll have some fun with this, with some of the extra stuff out there. Not messing with my long term retirement and all that type of stuff that that's there. And then you're like, all right, maybe we can make a quick whatever on this and that. And then you're just you're you're just like, well, I'm not, for me, I'm not selling or holding. Um, but it's just like how you're leaving the bag. We're left holding the bag when these guys who are manipulating before, like, why should you be able to short a stock 130%? Like, for billions. Why, huh? For not, not, not only that, but for billions of dollars. No, no, no. But I'm saying, a, 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 why are you able to, sh to short more than a hundred percent of the shares. Oh yeah. yeah. Like you shouldn't be able to do that. Well, that's what hedge funds did. That's what one of the Milton capital, I think one of the guys did for GameStop, he shorted 130% and then he got taken to the rails. They needed like $3 billion saving for his capital firm. And they might not even make it out. They might even go into bankruptcy. Um, so like, how are you able to, to short a stock of over 130, 100% of their shares. That doesn't yeah. seem like that should be legal. Yeah, no, agreed. Yeah, and absolutely. also why my dad, I was talking to my dad about this. Why should you be able even to short a stock in general? Because you're rooting for that company to fail. So why should you be rooting for companies to fail instead of just investing in companies you want to succeed? Yeah, no, I, I can get that part. I, I don't think the whole shorting, I don't think shorting stocks is is a huge deal. Um, because you know, there, there are plenty of, of factors that can cause us to, uh, uh, a company stock to go down. And so the, the only thing that gets messy for me is I think like, like in this instance of, uh, shorting GameStop as much as they did, 
there's got to be some kind of inside information there, right? Like that's that's the only thing that I would kind of raise my eyebrow at or kind I don't of, know if it's inside information just think about what the business model of GameStop is no and, and that the uh, totally agree like it's it's a total it's a dinosaur it's a totally outdated uh business uh as a whole you know it's it's brick and mortar so they don't even do e-commerce it's just it's all having to go into uh a store and do stuff uh you know to to handle their business but just maybe not even looking at the GameStop thing uh specifically but just as a whole like if you're shorting a stock that much or shorting a company that much th like i said there's got to be something that you know where it's like hey this company is about to fail or this company's stock is about to take a big dip let's go ahead and short it so that when it does you know we can swoop in so that's like i said it, i i can see what your dad and you are are, are saying as, as far as like that shouldn't be fair that shouldn't be legal but at the same time like i'm i'm kind of okay with it Sort of. <laughs> I think that's the bigger thing. I don't think he's a problem with shorting, but when you short over 100%. Yes. No, that part. Yeah. Okay. That part I can agree with. Yeah. Like, that's when you're like, why are you doing that? Yeah, exactly. And um, see, and that's what that's kind of where I raise the question of what kind of information do you have? Again, not well, I think they're at, just taking the gamble that who, when GameStop goes out of business, it's. Yeah. It's big money. Yeah. I mean, Blockbuster liquidation stock was up like. 700 percent like what do you, you what do you people are just buying something about like it was like 0.0 it was less than a cent mm. and then it went up to like a cent like i don't whatever um but yeah this has been the story for the past couple of days uh and it will continue to be a lot of people are getting in that that haven't been uh involved in before and, and the, see that's that's the tough part too is like there are going to be people that are like looking to make a quick buck and they're like oh i have you know twenty five hundred dollars in my savings account let's go ahead and dump it all in and that's just dumb. And, and take this to the moon right and uh and then they end up losing it then they're stuck looking like hey what happened i was supposed to get rich in in a week and here i am now i don't have any any money to my name but that you know like i said that is going to happen and there are going to be people that do that but if you're dumb enough to do it, like I feel like you're dumb enough, you're like you, you, that's kind of what you deserve, right? I mean, that might be a little yeah. hard. That's kind of how I feel. Yeah, I yeah no, I don't disagree on that. We'll see. If, it will be interesting to see what happens when or if they come back on Robinhood. What happens? Because you have to think the mob mentality. These they're just gonna want to drive it, drive the price back up. Yeah. So. I don't know. We'll have to see uh, what happens, but uh, look, this is your first big day in the uh, in the or whatever in the market. I mean, this is this is a people will say it's almost it's better than gambling. Yeah. What do you what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean it, and so that that's kind of why I got into it a little bit more because I had been thinking about it for a while, and. Um, like, you know, just watching stuff and, and kind of seeing ebbs and flows of, of different companies or whatever. And then uh, Parker, who, you know, my buddy, he he texted me. was like, hey, man, if you sign up for Robinhood, we both get a free free stock. And I was like, all right, well, I've been thinking about it anyway. Let me go ahead and do it. We'll check it out. And, uh, you know, so I kind of went in not knowing what exactly I wanted to do. So I kind of took a, a week or so to, to, again, kind of plan my position. And so uh, that's kind of how it all got started for me. And then now it's just like pfft, wild, like taking an absolute turn. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, it is. All right. 
That's some of the stock market. All right, we're going to get into some TV here. We were talking about flight attendant. Yeah. So, uh, full disclosure, I finished it uh, this morning. Okay. Because one of the main things was I watched the first, like, five episodes. Mm-hmm. There's eight. And it just, it was slow, slower. It was just like, why am I watching this? This is dumb. I know they're setting up the story. But then when you hit episode six, can they have brought more of that action and sprinkled it in a little bit? I know they're setting up the story, but the last three episodes were fantastic. Yeah. They were really good. But, like, maybe a little more to keep me through it in the first five. Well, I would say the first two weren't bad. No, the first two. I thought three, four, and five were very slow. Very slow. And and I was kind of losing steam there as well. Um, especially to some of the plots and some of the like storylines that were kind of that were starting to pop up and even some of the acting to me came off very corny. And I told Jamie that and she kinda she didn't she was like, If you don't want to watch it, then don't watch it. I was like, No, no, I, I gotta see this thing through now. Like I have to. But it just there was there was there's some parts I don't know if overdone is the right word or what, but it just seemed very corny to me. And uh, but yeah, the last the last couple episodes for sure, definitely seven and eight uh, were uh, were must must you know if if you saw if you lasted that far, you you had to finish it through. And I think they delivered uh, for the most part. I still have a a, a gripe, but I'm sure we'll uh, we'll get to it. Well, I think they're getting the season two. They set it up for a season two. Okay, and see that's what with the uh, with the other lady with the North Koreans. I think so. I'm yeah, not sure. Have to, right? They I mean, have to. They just left that open ended. Yeah. Um, yeah. They they planted that Easter egg early on. Yeah. Or earlier on. Um, but yeah, they have to. They have to go for. Um, they have to do that. Yeah, it was renewed for season two on December 18th. Oh, okay. Um, I actually thought like the acting for the most part was pretty good. And I thought how they kept the Alexander guy around the whole time. And like, she was talking to him and stuff like that. Like, I thought that was a cool, fascinating, like a different, it was creative. It definitely was creative. very creative. And I could have done without some of the flashbacks, like to the childhood, mm-hmm. but they set up the story, um, for the ending. Every, th- the whole thing though, is I feel like they, they, they were like, "Hey, we get, we have this show for one season. We're gonna build it for the true one season, eight episode model." And then they got towards the end, and we're like, "Oh, you know, I think we might be able to figure out a way where we could untie some ends and get it for a season two, leave enough for a season two. And I think that's what they kind of did with some of the stuff later on. Mm-hmm. You could, yeah, I think you could tell they were going for like a hard out at the end of season one. They're like, oh, you know what? We might be able to do something, and that's what that's what they did. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that for sure. Um, I think they did a great job of holding out um, for like as long as they possibly could of who was doing all the killing that we thought was one character, but but it happened to be somebody else. And so I thought that that twist I thought was set up great. Um, It it literally came out of nowhere. Um, and, uh, you know, cause you, the whole time, you know, it's, it's the sleight of hand, look what I'm doing over here, but then all of a sudden, Hey, I'm doing something in this hand instead. And I think that was, I think that part was, was, uh, set up really, really well. I do agree with that. I, who was your least favorite character? Um, probably, um, probably the, the North Korean 
flight attendant lady. Okay, her. Yeah. I was mine was Megan. The, uh, Megan. That was probably yeah. Yeah, Megan. Mine was the uh, douchebag FBI agent. Yeah, he yeah. he was terrible. Yeah, he got. You want to talk about a guy that got fucking put in Bodied. a spin cycle class? Yeah, that guy had no idea what was he. He he had no. He got put in a blender. He was getting worked over by his superior, and he he thought he had that case nailed. That was young. That was young confidence right there, and he just got the fly just got swatted right back. He got yeah. sent right back to the bottom of the pile. That guy yeah. stunk. Yeah, that that he but I I think he added a good like like it was I think it was a very necessary angle that he added to the to the storyline because you know the whole time it, it looks pretty cut and dry of who who the original killer was and that's all he you know he saw it and he ran with it. He's like, look, this is it. I'm just gonna prove it to you how it was. And then, like you said, his superior was like, you know, hold on a second. I've been doing this a long time. I know exactly, you know, that's not not everything is the way it seems. And because uh, the whole time you're thinking, you're like, oh, you know, Kaylee Cuoco, she's going down for this. Like, for sure, there's, there's no way she's squeezing. You thought she was this. going down for this? I I, I mean, I, I, if you're watching the first two or three episodes, you, the way they're lining it up, I it, it, that's the only way it looks. You know what I mean? And so obviously knowing how TVs pl- how TV shows play out, I figured that wasn't going to be the case. But I think what in the process of setting up the story, um, he added a good angle of like, there's there's literally no way she can get out of this. Like we have her caught red handed. Yeah, I could see that, but I still didn't think that she was ever the person that did it. Oh, yeah, no, I didn't either. No, I agree. I didn't either. But I'm saying setting up how they did it. Yeah, yeah. The the line that I thought was funny about that that one guy the 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 douchebag FBI agent was uh he was uh male pale and from Yale I thought that was hilarious they said that a couple <laughs> times um yeah but there was also I felt like the funeral episode that was just like a forty five minute cringe fest yeah like there was a lot of I'm, I ended up enjoying it in the end the the watching it there was a successful payoff i felt like with yeah, I was, yeah i was literally about to say that i, I was because i wasn't sure part way through i was like is this payoff even gonna be worth it but it ended up being well that's why i was like i was like oh i'll watch it and i'll put it on for like 30 minutes 20 minutes i'm like why am i watching this i don't want to and then i was like all right we'll sit down i was like well i gave myself a deadline on thursday i gotta finish it um to talk about it here and it was it was worth uh it was worthwhile but i thought didn't kelsey uh what's her what's her last name kuko kaylee Coco. yeah kaylee Coco. didn't she write it too oh did she i don't know i think she was like a writer or director or something mm. um yeah i thought she had something in like the production um I will say, I think one of the things that was kind of overdone was her drinking. Like, I think they oh, kind of, I think, I think they overdid that or over pushed that storyline a little too much. Because uh, it was just like, I don't know. It's like every, every, every time something got a little dicey, she just popped open one of those little bottles and chugged it. And she would do that like three or four times, but still be like perfectly fine. Like, you know what I mean? Even For when you're sure. an alcoholic. Your, the alcohol still affects your body the same way, so you're still going to be a little slow, slurred speech, whatever. Um, but it was just – I thought I thought that part was a little overdone. Or how when they were in that convenience store and she starts, like, cracking open beers and chugging beers. Like, I don't know. Also, little... how did no one come and, like, say, hey, can you pay for those beers? <laughs> yeah, can you stop <laughs> shotgunning beers in the middle of my store, please? Yes. No, yeah, she she 
her production company was the one behind the flight attendant. Okay. The one that she founded. So yeah, I thought I read that. Uh, I thought I read that. Uh, um, right, but uh, yeah, I thought that ending definitely. Like I keep saying it was worth it, but I was just the th- the middle. I still can't get over some of the stuff in the middle. I guess I don't know. And how about the guy, the flight attendant guy coming in with the CIA? I was just about to say that. That oh, part. Oh my god! I know, out, of from, events. from the clouds, from the oh. absolute clouds, um, out of nowhere. Um, because as soon as he did, I was that happened. I looked at Jamie, I was like, Oh, he's with the FBI too. And then he said he was with the CIA, you know, following somebody else. And I was just like, following Oh, okay. the flight attendant. yeah, the following one. The, the one that was selling all the stuff to North Korea. Yeah. Um, that's uh, yeah, that was that was quite the uh, quite the turn of events. That was a shocking turn of events. That was a shocking turn of events. Um, and yeah, we'll have to see what uh, what happens, but overall, at the end again, I would say it was. I'm I'm ready for season two. Okay. I don't know when it's gonna be. I'm ready for season two. What about I will you? say one one care. Yeah, no, I mean, I. I or we I, can keep I, talking I, about it. No, 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 no. Uh, I I got to see how this other part of the storyline plays out. You know, you're you're already locked into that, so I I got to see how that plays out. But I was gonna say one of the characters that I did enjoy that I think the actress did a really good job of portraying. And did a really good job was the lawyer. Like she, yes. you know, like the kind of like the not middle aged, but young, you know, her best friend. Yeah, yeah, young adult lawyer, hot on the scene, like kind of pseudo hipster in New York. Like I think she did a really good job of playing that, uh, playing that role. Yeah, no, I thought she did very good too. Um, I I agree with that. Hotshot lawyer gets out over her skis and is like, I'm not in, I'm not in, I'm not in it. I'm yeah. not, in the, I'm not cut out for the biz anymore. Yeah. Um. Uh. But yeah, I thought that was uh. I thought that was a good uh. That was pretty good. Yeah. So uh, yeah, let's. So what else are you watching? Uh. So like I said on on Monday, we're watching another show called Your Honor. Yeah, I haven't seen any of that yet. It's on. It's on show. It's on Amazon Prime, but under the Showtime uh label or whatever, and that's that's really good. Um. The quick synopsis is a uh. A big-time judge who's Brian Cranston. Uh, he lives in New Orleans, and uh, his son gets into a car accident and hits a guy on a motorcycle. And the kid, the the guy on the motorcycle, dies. And it's a kid. He's like a 17-year-old kid. Well, it turns out the kid is uh, he's the son of the largest mob boss in New Orleans. And so when Brian Cranston's son comes home and tells him what happens. Um, Cause he let, cause he, the kid left the scene as soon as he hit the, as soon as he realized the kid was dead, he left the scene, like took a, took his cell phone, chucked it, chucked it in the water, like got rid of a bunch of evidence. Well, Brian Cranston was like, well, you got to turn yourself in. Like, you know, there's no if, ands or buts. We're going to the police station. Well, as Brian Cranston goes to the police station, he sees the mob boss there hugging his wife and they're crying cause their kid's dead. And so he realized that he puts two and two together that his son just killed the mob boss's son. And so now he's trying to cover it up and make it look like something else happened. And it, there's, it's uh, just a, a wild roller coaster of events. And it's been, it's been really, really good so far. Gotcha. I'll have to, I've that's on prime, right? Yeah. Yeah. Amazon prime. Yeah. I'll have to check that out because I've heard people um, talking about it, but I haven't been able to, I was going to go watch it one time, but I forgot the name of it and I forgot what platform it was on. So I, uh just didn't watch i haven't watched it yet yeah there, there's six episodes out right now and then they release every sunday 
Yeah. Uh, so there's one this Sunday and then uh, next Sunday, which I don't know how much play it's going to get next Sunday, but uh, um, it's uh, so. I, but I think next, I think the next week is uh, is the final episode. So we're getting right there to it. But yeah, it's gotcha. it's good. It's it's it's, it's very binge worthy because it like sucks you in. You're like, shit, I got to know what happens next. And so it's um, it's uh, it's it, like I said, it locks you in. Gotcha. I'll have to. Uh... Check that out. I'm not. I said I mentioned industry the other day. That's really the only other show I'm watching. Yeah. Um, which is a bunch of young kids in London at this investment banking thing and like how they live and are they cut out for the job and stuff like that. It's not. Uh, it's not bad. It's. I have. To, I think I'm five episodes in, so I gotta. I think there's again. There's like eight episodes, so I have to finish. Um. You got to see where it goes, but it's not. It's not bad. It's no. It's not like. Did you ever watch Billions or did you watch Billions? No, I didn't. Billions is good from the seasons I've seen. Totally different. Obviously, totally different show. Um, that's about the manager of uh, hedge fund Axe Capital. Um, but this is, and how he gets around the lawn. This is just like how they treat people and it's just a different it's not bad it's it's been enjoyable uh to watch so far but again uh there's lots of stuff i want to watch on tv and shows right now are getting kind of squeezed out yeah another one that jamie and i just finished was uh it was just a quick short little mini doc was uh the night stalker uh guy who went on a killing rampage in like the late 80s in in la and uh would just like pick picked victims at random and uh, just killed like, I forget how many people, but uh, they ended up catching him and, and tracking him down. But they, they interviewed the the two detectives that were working the case. And that was actually really good too. If you're, yeah, if you're, sure. if you're a crime doc person, uh, which, which we are in this household. Well, major technical difficulties have struck. That struck us against. For some reason, my microphone stopped recording in the middle through Skype. Then I brought the laptop out to record through Skype to the other microphone. That's not working, so I'm on my phone. So my audio is bad here for the last, I don't know, 10, 15, 20 minutes. Uh, sorry, but big technical difficulties uh, going. Power didn't go out, can say that. Just I don't, I don't understand how the microphone stops working in the middle. I literally was not doing anything. Yeah, that that was strange. It literally just went like completely silent, almost like 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 you like the cord got pulled or something. Cord did not get pulled. Cord didn't even move. I wasn't even moving around in my chair. Um. Uh. Yeah, I don't even know what. We'll have to do a. I'll have to figure it out after this. But full investigation. A full investigation might need a. Uh, um, I might need George Mitchell here to help me out, get the Mitchell <laughs> report going on. Um, all right. Well, here's, HBO is just getting move, more movies out there, which I think is a nice way in the pandemic for people who don't go to the theaters and the people who do go to the theaters, they can still watch the movies out there is what I was going to say. But Yeah, there's going to, yeah, I think really this, this year, especially there's going to be uh, a ton early in the year, a ton of, uh, cause I think, cause Marvel's releasing all their movies on HBO max right away. Um, and, uh, there's a couple other, um, production companies that said they're doing something quite similar. Yeah, no, I, I would agree with that. All right. Since I brought up George Mitchell, 
you want to talk about baseball? Let's do it. And the friggin' peewees that uh, decide who gets to go in the hall. <laughs> yeah. Yes, the peewees that get to go in the hall. Uh, as nobody got in this year. And I, I think, I don't know if you agree, but I think Kurt Schilling is separate from the Bonds Clemens discussion. Would 1, you agree? 1,000% agree. And if you think he should be in the Hall of Fame for his career, I think most people think he should be in the Hall of Fame for his postseason career. Not saying he wasn't a bad regular season pitcher, but he went to another level in the postseason, and that's why he should be in. But I look at it, I think when we've talked about the Baseball Hall of Fame before, is it's a museum of baseball. Yeah. And can you tell the story of baseball without Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens? No. Can you tell the story of Kurt Schilling with uh, the story of baseball without Kurt Schilling? Except for one game, you probably can tell the story without Kurt Schilling. I, I could make the argument because uh, I know you're talking about the, the bloody sock game. Yeah, and you could have that anyways in there. You like they have stuff in there of money. But, but I was going to say is, is you could you could also maybe make the argument for game seven of the World Series uh, in 2001. Okay. Um, so, so, but, but still, I, the only reason I say that is, I mean, it still is only two games that you, that really it's like that he had a huge impact on. Like you said, very fine pitch in the postseason. Um, uh, you know, was a good pitcher for the Phillies for a long time up until he got traded to the Diamondbacks. Uh, and then he finally got to get into the postseason and play a little bit. But up until that point, uh, yeah, not like he, like you said, you can you can you can skip over this the Kurt Schilling era uh, in the history of baseball and not miss a beat. I I think the main reason for him getting in would be he played twenty years. He did have a three point four six ERA. That's pretty. That's pretty um, and where are his strikeouts on here? He struck out. He had three thousand strikeouts and over two hundred wins. Yeah. So you kind of say those are probably what the barriers to get in. Maybe mm -hmm. yeah. I don't know. So he's. He's definitely – he never did win a Cy Young Award. Um, he got second three times, and he was an all-star six times. So you could hold that against him. So, look, he's a he's, – he's, he might be in the Hall of very, very, very – but then the problem is you put in a pitcher like Mike Bucina, who I think numbers are almost identical to his, uh, and then you – like, why is, why is one guy in and not the other one? But I think Kurt Schilling is a totally separate – story the whole thing is the bonds clemens thing is like what how are you gonna so are you a rod's not getting in the hall of fame next year correct not and next year guys no. aren't getting in? not next year no but i think i think all three of these guys eventually end up but next year a rod isn't getting in and and, and if a rod's not getting in getting in then david ortiz better as hell not get in and that that's has a, a cheater of all cheaters yeah that yeah, i was gonna say that's not a yankees red sox thing that is a he is just about as much of a poster boy as uh, Bonds, Clemens, and A-Rod. Agreed. Um, but the thing is, Clemens and Bonds, their last year on the ballot is next year. Yeah. So are they going to get in? And I I would say the Baseball and Pro Football Hall of Fames are the most prestigious of getting in because basketball lets about everybody in. Yeah. Um, the Hockey Hall of Fame is fantastic to go to. I would say if you're ever in Toronto, go to the Hockey Hall of Fame. I've been there. Fantastic Hall of Fame. 
And I've been to the Pro Football Hall of Fame, very good one. Haven't been to Cooperstown. But the Hockey Hall of Fame is fantastic. Uh, so if you're ever in Toronto, you should go to that. But And it it's different for the baseball voting than the than NFL voting because the NFL voting is like 40 sports writers who take it very seriously as well. But then the baseball writers, like everyone in the Baseball Writers of America, gets on their high horse and takes it to a whole other level of we're in charge of who gets in and who doesn't. When also Major League Baseball gives them no guidance on what to do. Like maybe the Baseball Hall of Fame should come out and say, we would like for them to be in the Hall of Fame or the baseball. You turned your back on the steroid area. So why are these writers when saying they weren't breaking the rules then? Was it frowned upon? Sure. As you look back on it, they were using it? Sure. But guess what? It wasn't against any rules. And so why are you holding that against them? Oh, I completely agree. And uh, so uh, I forget who it was I was listening to, but they kind of made a good point. And they were saying that a lot of the baseball writers don't want to uh, put these guys in because they were, quote unquote, cheating, like you said, even though it wasn't against the rules. But also, too, if you're looking at the Hall of Fame and the guys that you vote in and you compare them to the other players that they were playing against, which I think is a more fair barometer, then you absolutely have to put Bonds and Clemens in because they were far superior than their peers, than their competition. I mean, even before Bonds allegedly juiced up because he never tested positive for anything allegedly uh he was considered widely as one of the best baseball players at the time you know he could hit for contact he had a little bit of power he had speed he had the glove in the outfield like he was he was pretty damn close to a five-tool player you look at clemens in the 80s and early 90s like he was as dominant of a pitcher as you could find uh even greg maddox said as much um not too long ago on on pardon my take he said that clemens is by far the most dominant pitcher he's seen by just uh, like pure pitching ability like he could blow a fastball by you he could make you look silly with his changeup like he could you you pick a spot he's gonna throw it there and he's gonna th- execute that pitch very well so if you're looking at it at uh, you know at at that kind of angle, then they, those guys absolutely have to be in it. Barry Bonds, he's not being talked about if he probably doesn't do steroids because everybody else around him was, right? So all the power numbers, those are going to be the big things uh, that that jump out to everybody. These baseball writers were covering these guys while they knew something weird was going on, but did they say anything then? No, because why? Because everyone was all of a sudden reinterested in baseball and everyone was re-energized by the long ball and everyone was you know, reading these articles and, and paying for subscriptions on the internet to see these dweebs write their articles about these meat-covered robots just absolutely smashing balls 800 feet in the air. And so you know, now all of a sudden, when it comes down to putting them in the Hall of Fame, like you said, they want to get on their high horse and be like, oh, no, we, we, we got to keep the integrity and the purity of the game. Bullshit. We have the dead ball era. We, you know, we're going to we need to have the, the steroid era. We had the greenie era when guys are dropping, you know, six or seven greenies in a pot of coffee in the clubhouse and everyone's drinking from the same coffee pot. Like, are you kidding me? Like it's we've all the, every baseball player, every athlete has found a shortcut to either rehabilitate, to get a step up on uh, their competition. And until it is written down in black and white, that is against the rules, then I think everything is fair game. I yeah I would uh, uh I would agree with that and you could put on the plaque like alleged steroid user or whatever or tested positive for or steroids. just not even that not uh, not even that because but if you want them in you could just do so if you want to make the if you want to make the if you want to be the oh they did this 
that's an easy way to do it. Yeah. I think an thing. easier way is like take the timeline. Like 96 to 05 was considered the steroid era. And you maybe you have a steroid era wing of that's, yeah. Of of the Hall of Fame, rather than saying alleged steroid user, you just and and not a, like you know Mike Mussina. You you mentioned him. He played in the steroid era. Is that a guy being accused of using steroids or HGH? Absolutely not. But unfortunately, that was the time he played. So guess what? That's the where that's the that's where your shrine is. That's where whatever it is that they put up in the Hall of Fame. That's where you go because that's the time frame you played in. Yeah, no, I, that's been brought up before. All right, another thing in baseball. So Hank Aaron died last week. Very sad. So the Negro League is bringing is they're going to Major League Baseball and the Negro League. They're combining some of the stats together. Mm-hmm. And one of the th- stories I read is that Hank Aaron, he's down 10 home runs, I think, to Bonds or mm-hmm. eight home runs to Bonds because Bonds has 762. Right. Is that how many he has? Uh, 765, I believe. OK, so 10 more than what he had. So Hank Aaron was hoping that they would. Um, that they're able to find in the stats 10 home runs for him. Yeah. In the Negro League stats. And there are way there, like from the articles, there are 10 home runs out there. Now, can they can actually confirm some? Because one of them in the Negro League World Series, there wasn't a story written for the first two games, I'm pretty sure. And in the third game, it said Aaron homered in the first three games of the series. Well, there is no, there's no, they can't find the stories for game one and game two. So they're just going Aaron homered in his third time in the series. So a lot of interesting uh, facts there, but also I was wondering, did you see this tweet? This is most home runs under each president. Did you see this? I did not. Okay. Do you have a guess who led the Trump administration with the most home runs? What player? I'll go back to Clinton. If you can get Clinton. Uh, in the Trump administration, yeah. so that'd be 2016 to 2020 to 2020. I mean, I've, I've, my guess would be, I mean, I want to say Aaron judge, but I know that's not the case because he, he didn't start hitting bombs till 2017, 2016 shit. Um, yeah, I don't know. Give it to me. Mike Trout. Oh, I almost said that, but I was like, Trout doesn't really hit that many bombs. But I guess he's like a 30, 30 a year guy. So, I mean, yeah, like, that would make sense. He had 134. Yeah. I don't have who was second. I just have who was first. Uh, all right. Obama, we'll go Obama. Do you have an idea for Obama? Obama, a 272. So a eight years. You're going to, well, to two, 2009 when he took office to 2000. And, it's the 2009 to the 2016 seasons are in there. I'm guessing A-Rod. Wrong. Pujols? He was George W. Bush. Oh, then that, 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 that it definitely wasn't Pujols then. Uh, Miguel Cabrera? No, it was Pujols. Oh, it was Pujols? Yeah, Obama, oh. yeah. Okay. 272. Bush was uh, A-Rod. He had 364. And then do you have any idea for Bill Clinton? Got to be Mark McGuire. Ken Griffey. Oh, yeah. that's 351. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, Mike Schmidt led at three presidencies. Really? Gerald Ford, Jimmy Carter, and Ronald Reagan. Which is, he's the oh, the only other player to lead three presidencies is uh, Babe Ruth. Yeah. Who was Warren Harding, Calvin Coolidge, and uh, Herbert Hoover. But those are the only two to even do it. No one even did it back, like, no, no one did it back to back. Uh-huh. 
Um, so I thought that was an interesting, uh, an interesting chart. Yeah, that is interesting. Um, to say that. All right. Do you have anything else? Yeah. One thing while we're talking about baseball and the hall of fame, um, you know, when we're talking about the steroid users or the steroid era, there's going to be a guy that gets into the baseball hall of fame and he's going to be celebrated and he's going to be, you know, they're going to hold a, I don't know if they'll hold a parade, but he's going to be celebrated. He's not a guy that's super liked. He had, he knew that steroids were going on. He, took a step back and didn't do a single thing and let it happen. And then when it came to light, you know, was Mr. Against it. And that's Bud Selig. Like if, if you are not putting in the steroid users, you cannot put, put the commissioner that oversaw baseball during the steroid era. I don't care what he did for expansion. I don't care what he did for expanding the playoffs. I don't care if, if you're going to hold that double standard of you're not putting the players in for using the steroids, you can't put the guy in that allowed them to do it in the, in the hall of fame either. Well, I agree. He's the being, you're just going to pretty much every commissioner is going to be in the baseball hall of fame. Like if we like it or not. Right. He, he got in at 93% of the vote in 2017. So like he's getting in as much as like Paul Tagliabue got in for the NFL. What did he do for the NFL? He looked, turned a blind eye to concussions. He got a bunch of new, new stadiums built for owners. Like, what did he really do for growing the game? Like, Goodell is going to get in the Hall of Fame. As much as people don't like what he did, he's getting in. And I hate to say it, but if Rob Manfred's commissioner for 10 or so years, guess what? He's going to be in the Hall of Fame because that's just what they do. Yeah. Commissioners get in the Hall of Fame, whether we like it or not. And you could, you could, Goodell is more of an argument because of the growth of the league. Yeah, you could criticize his player safety or his, um, his, is uh abuse policy uh drug abuse policy and all the deflate gate and all that other stuff but he's grown the league to places where probably most people didn't think it was possible to go in tv numbers and viewership so well and too if you remember when he first came in the league as commissioner well as you can tell we had more issues with skype there a cutoff we were just finishing the point of rob manford all commissioners are going to make the hall of fames of whatever sport they're in just because that's what happens when you're a commissioner you go in the hall of fame like it or not so that's going to wrap it up for the show here today on the 28th thanks everybody for listening uh hopefully we don't have any more technical problems next week and we will talk to you guys on monday have a great weekend everybody